Welcome into tonight's nightly recap of bracket season here on the Bonanza. My name is Nicholas Hodel. Nick Keneally is alongside. We have a lot to get to. Lots of automatic bids punched to the NCAA tournament tonight. And we started all off with two teams that we knew were going to be in the tournament well before the tonight's West Coast Conference tournament final. But Gonzaga putting in a demolition of St. Mary's, 77 to 51. And this was a game that was really a self-infliction of St. Mary's. They just couldn't finish, Nick. That's pretty much all I got to say about that. I mean, yeah, just really disappointing. You know, obviously I talked in last night's episode about how I'm very confident in St. Mary's sometimes out of blind confidence and Going up against this thing, or going up against this Gonzaga team, it really seems like that was the case. They just got absolutely dominated. They couldn't make the ball, make a shot, whether it was within the arc, beyond the arc. They could, they just couldn't get it done. That was where a lot of their problems rooted from. Uh, a lot of problems also rooted from uh, what seemed like at times the ability for for Gonzaga to miss. Um, you know, they were making shots. You know, such a great rate they were rebounding the ball better obviously Gonzaga was defending pretty well um and all of that added up to a complete blowout I mean when you lose by 26 in a conference tournament uh championship that's never good and you know that's not even the worst the game got you know Gonzaga almost was almost up by 40 at one point I mean just an absolute just beat down but just so disappointing for St. Mary's yeah, and being at that West Coast Conference final, I can tell you that it was a mostly Gonzaga crowd, and it felt really a nonchalant kind of night in that building. I mean, that's kind of the way it felt the whole night, just a nonchalant Gonzaga beatdown, self-inflicted by St. Mary's, and that's about, all, um, that's about it, really. That's about really all there was to say, but... You look for St. Mary's, if they have that poor finishing in the first round of Big Dance, they're losing. They're losing. I don't care who it's to. You cannot self-inflict that much pain upon yourself in the big dance and survive. Period. So St. Mary's is going to have to improve in that department. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's a relative no-show from St. Mary's. And that's embarrassing on that kind of a stage like that. And I would not be surprised if, if any 12 seed going up against St. Mary's would be a trendy pick on recency bias alone. I personally wouldn't be surprised. I think that'd be the wrong thing to do, but I think St. Mary's, between the press footage that BYU gave, gave teams the other night, and now this, of just the self-inflicting manner, I think you're going to see the defense of that 12 seed who plays St. Mary's or whatever seed St. Mary's gets so they have to face against, they're going to be prepared based off the footage of the two nights alone. They're going to know that you need to make St. Mary's uncomfortable. Yeah, you need to get a little lucky as well in that department. But if you get uncomfortable with trying to break a press, you're doing something right. And that's my concerns go for St. Mary's, that St. Mary's is beatable now in the big dance, in my opinion, early. And that's something that I didn't anticipate saying about even two weeks ago. So that is something I'm going to be very uh, interested in seeing how that plays out uh, in the big dance for St. Mary's. Uh, to move on to the CAA championship, you won't have to worry about Charleston. They're in on a five-point win over UNC Wilmington, 63-58. to Charleston at 31-3 and is one of the best mid-majors going into the NCAA tournament. It's well-deserved. It's the only thing Charleston deserved of the season they had. 
And this is a game where UNC Wilmington gave Charleston the business in that second half, but Charleston found a way to have a champion-like finish to get across the finish line and into the big dance. Oh, absolutely. You know, just a really, really tight game in this one um, that went back and forth for a lot of it, but just a a great way to, you know, send themselves into into uh, the NCAA tournament for uh, for Charleston. And, you know, if like a lot of the previous games, Ryan Larson is really just who came up big in this one. 23 points. He hit four threes, a uh, handful of rebounds and assists. I mean, he was just he was amazing for them. Um, as he tends to do, but it was just a great team game um, for them. Of course, they really, really were able to shut down Wilmington from the three, uh, which has been just a super like important key um, for that team. Because if you can stop them from the three, that basically shuts them down. They went three for fourteen, um, and you know that was the difference maker in this one. Um, just a great win for Charleston to, to cap off you know, part of a, a great season, but, you know, they still have the biggest part uh, coming up. Yeah, this this is what Gonzaga, this is Char- what Charleston's played for, I should say, in that they're going to go to the big dance. They're going to have a great opportunity to knock someone off in the first round at the very minimum. I mean, that Charleston team is definitely for real uh, in a lot of aspects uh, of that Cougar team. I want to go to the Horizon League final next. Northern Kentucky Gets the job done in a game that was close from the opening tip to the final buzzer. Just an absolute great game with everything March is about. And for Northern Kentucky, they get in the dance. And this is one of those particular games where you look at the stats. Shooting's about normal. Cleveland State was much better from three. You kind of look a little bit deeper. Cleveland State, turnover disadvantage despite having a really good rebounding night. It's a lot of things in a close game where you look at a box score and it will not tell you the whole story here. Oh, absolutely. You know, this was just a really great tight game. The largest lead in this one was seven. Uh, Like, it's just such a great back and forth for them the whole game. Um, And, you know, like you mentioned, 17 turnovers for Cleveland State. That's what's really going to do it as a team. That's really what's going to – knock you out of contention for a win and you know they came within two but it was just it was sticking it out at the end for northern kentucky um obviously you know about halfway through the second half they started to take some larger leads um and since then they they really didn't look back in terms of uh letting go of that lead um it was just a a huge run that you know a couple couple good threes and layups uh, trey robinson really got hot at the right time um and that that was pretty much it yeah, that was. And for Northern Kentucky, I mean, they just continue to make a lot of milestones. One of the teams that has really made a big wave uh, since going into Division One. I uh, can't remember how many years ago it was at the top of my head, but it has not been all that long. So really impressive stuff there from Northern Kentucky being able to get over the line once again in the Horizon League. Uh, out in the Summit League, it wasn't close. Oral Roberts, a dominating performance, and a 30-4, and four, that perfect Summit League record, and a heck of a team. I mean, if Oral Roberts isn't the team to prefer to have a second weekend Cinderella pick, I'm not sure who you're really taking for Oral Roberts. It's, to me, they have the complete package. Everything you can want of a mid-major going into the big dance. 
She has an excellent Oral Roberts team. They proved it all year long, and they dominated this game. This was not even close, Nick, at all. Oh, 100%. Just, you know, Omni blew them out. 92 points was their final score. Um, just their offense was clicking all cylinders, and that's really what happens when you can base it around Max A. Smith. Uh, he ended with 26 in this one, and 11 assists as well. When you talk about basing your offense around him, you're not just getting the amazing scoring and volume that he brings you, but that opens up that opens up opportunities for players around him to get shots up. That's why he got 11 points because pa- players like Patrick Mwamba were able to take 14 shots. You know, he had 20 points. You had a 10 point performance from uh, from Connor Vanover. He's been big in this turno- uh tournament. Isaiah Mc- or Isaac McBride he had 10. Um, Dejang Weaver he had 10. It's just opening up all of these lanes uh, for other players to score. And that's how they really ran it up, uh, especially in the first half. But, you know, they really didn't take their foot off the gas pedal much in the second. Um, It was just off to the races for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at that Oral Roberts team, and I'll just kind of give you the the floor here, this Oral Roberts team. I think they are as close to a lock of me picking them past one game of a mid-major school as I have ever seen. Um, and, and, and any kind of bracket pre matchups that that's very important to know pre matchups. This is such a really, really good Oral Roberts team that if they lose in the first round, I will honestly consider it to be a major disappointment. That's how good this team is. Uh, what about you, Nick? Oh, I'd have to fully agree with you here. I mean, you look at some of the other, uh, great major programs, um, from this year, like you look at Char- Charleston. Even in their uh, championship game against Wilmington, yeah, that was still a close game. That was still a game that they won by five. It was a great battle. Um, obviously, they're a great team uh, at, at you know finishing at that thirty-one and three record. Um, but that's not necessarily something that you can uh, expect to keep going um, in in the in the big dance. Obviously. Uh, they could very well make it past the first round. They could upset whoever team, a larger program that they're playing. But if you're talking about getting to that second weekend, you know, really making it past that first round, that round of 32, out of any mid-major program, it has to be Oral Roberts. I mean, I talked about um, how their offense that's based around Max Amos um, has been just lights out for them. And, you know, that that's a great reason um, – why they're one of the top offenses in the country. You know, you, you look at their top 24 offensive efficiency or their 24th best offensive efficiency in the nation. And that shows every game. That's not something, that's not a statistic that you look at um, and you wonder how that translates. It's very evident how that translates to them. You look at all the games that they've scored in a numerous amount of buckets. And I mean, just earlier in this uh, or earlier in the season, right at the end, you know, they had 96 over North Dakota. They've hit the, uh, the century mark a couple of times this season. Um, that's just such a high powered offense and that can really take you far. And it's not to say that they don't have a defense, you know, they're near top 100 defensive efficiency. It's also great for their mid-major rank, but I mean, you have to give all props to their offense. Max Amos has been great. Um, not to discount uh, Connor Vanover as well. He's had a great season um, in his senior year. Just such a, a dominant big man. Um, but just an absolute squat that they have going on. Um, I can expect them to turn a lot of heads that really weren't really looking at them in the regular season when it gets down to March Madness. And you and you kind of mentioned it, that veteran experience. I mean, that's about 
just look just forgetting about all of the schematic advantages, the skills of the players was obviously very important. Typically, the teams that pull off these upsets are a veteran core, and they have that. And then you mentioned all the different things that Oral Roberts has from a skills perspective. I mean, there's no reason why Oral Roberts shouldn't win a game. There's no reason, in my opinion. They are that good. And I think people are going to really pay attention and wake up uh, if they haven't already woken up from that 2021 run. Led by Max Aismas. He's back. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you Aismas is going to have a much more difficult time this go-around because people know about him. And people know. People know that they're going to have to defend him with all their might and stop him of all their might. So that's going to be where the supporting cast, I feel, is very important if Oral Roberts is going to get the job done. But I am so confident in Oral Roberts. Is it do a fault? We'll see. But uh, I, right now, I'm in a very, very confident position with them. Uh, the, the fifth conference tournament final was kind of an irrelevant one with Fairleigh Dickinson already having the automatic bidder to Merrimack being ineligible in their final transition year. But Merrimack winning the conference tournament in the NEC. We talked a little bit about how Merrimack is just one of the best stories I've ever seen uh, within the transitional period. Two regular season conference titles. Now a conference tournament championship. When Merrimack becomes eligible next year, they're going to be so good. Merrimack has put themselves in, in every position to become the new face of the NEC. That's what they've done. And they've set a, they set a standard for every team that comes into Division One. that I don't know if anyone will ever, will ever be able to exceed or even meet. What they've done, Nick, is simply unbelievable. And a really tight NEC tournament final, I might add, 67-66. Uh, the final here was really tight the whole way. Merrimack had to fight for it. Uh, but an unreal performance for Merrimack to, to win their four transition years. And that's a program I have a lot of respect for. Absolutely. I mean, just it's unprecedented what Merrimack has been able to do in their first, uh, in their, their years. And it's, I don't think that this will be something that can be really replicated um the this type type of success they've seen now they they won their first conference tournament obviously you know it's a shame it's really a great team that we're gonna unfortunately miss out seeing in the big dance but i mean just you have to be happy with the great season that they had um just absolutely dominated in this tournament you know this it really came down to the wire in this one um but with a tight game, it was so back and forth um, the whole time. It really showed the strong suits of Merrimack, how resilient they are, um, and, you know, how many different scoring options they have. I mean, that's just, just, uh, Ziggy Reed was, I mean, he was, he's been a bucket for them um, this season. I mean, you talk about uh, earlier on in the, in the tournament when he had 33, and he really kept up that mark going. He had 23 tonight. Um some some solid efficiency as well and it's just it was off to you know it, it's really up to Merrimack and that's what they did fairly Dickinson put up a great fight obviously this is another great NEC team but Merrimack is just yeah it's a bright future for them it absolutely is and fairly Dickinson will see them in Dayton at some point in the first four uh, but for Merrimack they can absolutely hold their heads up high and know that they're going into their first year of NCAA tournament eligibility with so much momentum as a program. Simply incredible what they've been able to pull off. A few other conferences with semifinals tonight as well. Vermont dominating over Binghamton. UMass Lowell winning over New Hampshire. 
setting up the UMass, uh, UMass Lowell and Vermont final. That will not be played until Saturday morning. Um, the traditional Saturday morning time set out in the America East. Uh, Vermont will have a lot of time to prepare for UMass Lowell. I still think it is Vermont's conference to win, uh, also to lose, but certainly to win here against uh, UMass Lowell. Decent team, uh, but I think Vermont is just a better team within that particular conference. I'll give you a few moments on that. Oh, yeah, just UMass Lowell, just a great, great um, showing for them. Uh, Double-digit win. Uh, it really came down uh, to a great scoring performance from Alan Blunt, 19 points on 7-for-9 efficiency, 3-for-4 um, from the three-point line as well. Just He was an absolute dog this game. And, you know, Everett Hammond as well had 17 points, um, hit his one and only three. Um, it's just the key for the – for them in this game was their efficiency from beyond the arc took 10 threes and made seven of them um and you know they scored very well inside the arc too um you know from the two they they went uh 17 and 35 so definitely still uh plus five fifty percent uh efficiency but that's that was that was the key for them in this game uh, um was really able to shut down uh new hampshire as well they still put up 64 points but they just took a lot of shots you know some of them were falling uh, but they just couldn't have the same scoring performance as the Maslow. I mean, they had 21 points out of Nick Johnson. I mean, he's just been he's been great for them this season as kind of a, a, a supporting role. But just solid, solid win for UMass Lowell here in the semifinals and excited to see what they can do in the championship. Yeah, that's absolutely the case there. Uh, in the Southland Conference uh, as well, it'll be Texas A&M, Corpus Christi in the final there and it will also be northwestern states in the final and this is a final that will be played tomorrow it's a 2 p.m pacific 5 p.m eastern tip uh over on espn2 tomorrow two teams they're the top two teams in the conference they both deserve to be there and this is certainly a situation uh where it, i think it's really close to call uh, Northwestern State and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Um, that's one that I would be looking forward to seeing what ends up happening there. Absolutely. You know, in the semi, a Texas A&M Corpus Christi, they kind of blew McNeese out of the water here. I mean, in 80 to the 63, they were just getting, they were getting buckets left and right here. Um, that's a really, really strong offensive team, but Northwestern State, um, they, they're solid as well. So, I mean, they, they had a good showing. It's going to be really, really hard to call this one. I mean, I might have Corpus Christi by just a smidgen here, but two solid, solid teams. I'm excited to see what what they can do. Yeah, that will be a really, really fun uh, game to keep an eye on out here for me in Las Vegas while paying attention primarily to the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, That is going on tomorrow. Uh, you also have plenty of other first and second round action uh, within mo- all of the power conferences, uh, getting that up and underway. Several quarterfinals in the MAC and the MEAC, as well as well as at the SWAC, I think has a couple of quarters as well. So this is it. I mean, the peak part of Champ Week is here. Uh, and you'll also have the Big Sky final late tomorrow night. And I want to give some major kudos first and foremost to Northern Arizona, the nine seed out of the big sky, really out of nowhere. And I think people, the fans would have seen it coming, 
But Northern Arizona at 5-13 and 13 in the conference in the regular season at 12-22 and 22 overall, this NAU team was a team that finished second to last in the big sky, but yet they are 40 minutes away from a ticket to the big dance. This is what the story of conference tournaments is. We see this with certain conferences every year. For NAU, the buzzer beater against Eastern Washington, the 12-point win tonight over Montana. How about this for NAU? Could not think of a better situation for the Lumberjacks. Absolutely. You know, just a great, great showing tonight. I mean, that's really got to get you amped up after people were kind of doubting them uh, after the buzzer beater over Eastern Washington. They said, oh, I mean, that was a very, very great one-off of game for them, but they can't necessarily replicate this. Um, and they they stuck around in the first half enough. I mean, it was a really back and forth between them and Montana. But in the second half, um, especially near the, the end of the second half, really is where when they started to explode. Really, they they got off. They got in a firing. They put up fifty one points in the second half. Um, it took that twelve point lead, and they just didn't. They didn't look back at all. Just a great scoring performance, a showcase really in the second half. Um, and that came out of Jalen Cohn. I mean, he's been doing uh, great for them as of recent. Um, uh, their their best scorer. I mean, he's had a couple twenty point performance, like twenty nine against Weber State at the end of the season, twenty five earlier on in the tournament. Um, and that was really uh, encapsulated in this one. Just his scoring, uh, dynamic eight for twelve, six for ten from beyond the arc. Um, he's, he meant everything for them. He's a, a major portion of why they won this game. And I'm excited to see, um, how he can step up and rise to the occasion, um, in this championship game, whether it be against Montana state, whether it be against, or sorry, uh, whether it be against Weber state, um, or whether it be against, uh, Montana state. Yeah. After, after they just beat Montana, whichever team they get, I mean, they really have to game plan around this guy. Uh, this is the most important game of their season if they can punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. Um, and we'll just see how he rises to that occasion. Yeah, and that's a very close game at halftime as we're recording this for you. So definitely keeping an eye on that in late into the night here on this Tuesday. And like we mentioned, the power conferences all get going. And with that in mind, over on our Twitter, at College Bonanza, we're going to be doubling the picks for you on a daily basis. It is going to be a very exciting moment for us as we get to give you some more picks as the time of champ week starts to peak. And we are so excited about that over the course of the next few days. I'll be at T-Mobile Arena and we'll have some of our Blaze Radio broadcasters at the Pac-12 tournament give you the recap in depth of the Pac-12 tournament. And Mick Keneally will fill you in on the rest of the action on, on a nightly basis all the way into Selection Sunday from here. So I'll wrap things up for us tonight. For Nick Keneally, I'm Nicholas Hodel. Have a very good night. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow night on your preferred podcast platform. <laughs>